Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. What does Jesus's mission look like here? What's his mission here? What does Jesus's mission look like here? What does Jesus's mission look like here? What is Jesus's mission here? How do I know what Jesus's mission is? Good to see you today. My name is Josh. If you don't know me, one of the pastors here. And uh, welcome to all of you online. Glad you're with us today too. Hey, happy Mother's Day. Moms, we're really grateful for you and uh, be able to celebrate you today. And, and ladies, just in general, women, we are so grateful for you. God has created you uniquely in God's image and uh, to image him in, in an incredible way. And, and our church is better for an incomplete uh, without you. So we're really, really grateful for you. Um, you know, I, I just want to take a, just a, a second here before we keep going and just recognize too that, um, you know, a day like Mother's Day, we don't make a huge deal out of it simply because today can be a really hard day for some too. And uh, that, that might be you. Maybe uh, your relationship with your mom is, is rough or was rough or you lost your mom or uh, you really always wanted to be a mom and that's just never happened yet. Um, you need to know, um, whatever that might be, one, I'm so sorry. And uh, as far as the desire to be a mom, Hannah and I have walked that road a lot, so I know uh, that pain up close and personal watching that. And, and it's just hard. Um, but I also just want to really gently remind you that, that your value, your dignity, your worth, your sufficiency, all of those things have absolutely nothing to do with whether or not you're a mom or if you ever will be. It has everything to do with the fact that you bear God's image, that if you're a follower of Jesus, you're in Jesus Christ. And all of that hurt, all of that pain, God sees it and he knows it and he cares deeply. And uh, you're loved by Jesus and you're loved by us. And um, don't forget that today as well. Hey, um, before we dive in this morning though, I thought it might be fun just to laugh a little bit. You good with that? And maybe at the expense of our mothers. Sorry moms. But I wonder, here's what it is. Uh, I've got a list here I came across of things that no mom has ever said. <laughs> See if, see if you agree with them. No mom has ever said, hey, how on earth can you see the TV sitting that far away from it? <laughs> or how about this one? Yeah, just leave all the lights on. It makes the house look more cheery. Said no mom ever. Let me smell that shirt. Oh yeah, that's good for another week. I don't know, I never heard a mom say that one. Or how about this? Go ahead and keep that stray dog, honey. I'll be glad, you know, to feed him and walk him and care for him every day. Said no mom ever. 
oh, well, if, if Timmy's mom said it's okay, then I guess that's good enough for me. <laughs> said no, mom. Well, the curfew is just a general time to shoot for. It's not like I'm running a prison around here. <laughs> uh, no, you know what? Has your mom ever said this? Have you ever heard a mom say this? Uh, Sorry, I don't have a tissue. Just go ahead and use your sleeve. <laughs> that never happens. Or, uh, here, I got one more. Uh, don't bother wearing a jacket. You know, the wind chill is bound to improve. It's just going to get so much better. You don't need that. You know, um, moms and uh, women, all of you who have a role really in that role, uh, shepherding kids in our church, whether you have some of your own or not, you play such a vital role. We're so, so grateful for you. And um, yeah, we just, we celebrate you today. So be sure to grab uh, one of those uh, books, devotionals, pens on your way out and really glad you're with us today. You know, if, if you are a parent, it's a huge task to rely on God, isn't it? To be uh, grounded in his word um, and to follow the lead of the Holy Spirit in that. And you know, that's exactly what we're gonna be looking at this morning in the book of Acts is a group of people a church in Antioch, uh, seeking the lead and guidance of the Holy Spirit. We're gonna see them uh, be sensitive to the Holy Spirit's guidance. And our desire is that you and I too could be sensitive to the Holy Spirit's guidance as we, we go and love people and introduce them to Jesus. So with that in mind, let me pray. And then we're gonna be in Acts chapter 13. Sound good? Let's pray. Father, uh, thank you for Jesus. Thank you, uh, Jesus, for your love for us, for your death on the cross in our place, your resurrection and the life that you give. And thanks for sending your spirit, not leaving us alone, but sending your spirit to, to help us and to be our helper and our guide. Uh, would you help us to see uh, maybe more of uh, what that looks like today, uh, just a glimpse of that and as we go about uh, the mission you've given us? And Holy Spirit, toward that end, I pray you'd help me today. Uh, guide my thoughts and my words as uh, I try to unpack yours. And uh, help us all learn and leave changed. And Jesus, might you be made much of. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, if you've got your Bible, uh, our goal today is, is really to look, uh, in part, what it looks like to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit's guidance. And we're gonna see that happening in Acts chapter 13. So if you've got your Bible... Open to Acts chapter 13, and uh, I'm actually going to pick it up one verse prior at the end of chapter 12, where we read this, Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had completed their service. Uh, everything, the last couple of weeks when we've been in Acts chapter 12, everything there was happening in the city of Jerusalem, and now Barnabas and Saul are returning to Antioch, and they brought with them uh, this kid named John. Actually, John Mark. Some of what we saw in Acts chapter 12 was the church meeting at uh, Mark's mom's house. Uh, and uh, we can gather, probably rightly so, that she would have been an influential woman in the early church in Jerusalem, that she was uh, probably fairly wealthy as well to have a home in which so many people could meet. And uh, John Mark then um, is, his other name was Mark. It, it, he's a benefit of that. He's, he's kind of a, He's a rich kid coming from a wealthy family. He's young, and he's excited to go with Barnabas and Saul and serve Jesus. And so he, he goes with them back to Antioch. 
And when we get to Antioch, here's what we read in, in chapter 13, verse one. Now there were in the church at Antioch, prophets and teachers. And then it goes and lists them, prophets and teachers, um, likely meaning uh, those who proclaimed the word, those who taught the word, in, in a real sense, in terms of uh, preaching God's word. And it's uh, very much a, in a sense prophecy of saying, thus saith the Lord, here's what God says. And so prophets and teachers, and it lists them. So there's Barnabas, we've read about him already, the son of encouragement, his name means. And then we're introduced to Simeon, who is called Niger. Uh, Niger means uh, black or dark skin. He's, he's likely from Africa. And uh, so he's made his way all the way up north to Antioch. And then Lucius of Cyrene, also in Northern Africa, modern day Libya. And uh, you can start to see this early church was pretty diverse, wasn't it? Even in its leadership. And then Menaean, a, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch. Do you remember Herod? Last week, Herod uh, Agrippa, he was the king over Judea and God struck him with an illness because of his pride and his refusal to give God glory. Well, one of his good lifelong friends is a leader in the church in Antioch. So that tells me that this guy uh, is, is of pretty high social status. And so you start to see this just this great diversity in the church that the gospel is for everyone. And then of course there's Saul. And we're gonna hear more about him this morning. His name actually for the first time, he's gonna be called Paul in our text today. And Saul was his Hebrew Jewish name. Uh, and when that's translated into Greek, it becomes Paul. So as he starts to reach out towards people who are not Jewish, he goes by his Greek name, Greek version of his name, Paul. Well, let's keep reading. While they were worshiping the Lord at the church there in Antioch and fasting, the Holy Spirit said to them, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and they sent them off. The Spirit was leading them as they worshiped and gave them some clear direction to take Barnabas and Saul and send them off on mission and in ministry. Do you wonder like, how did they know that? How did they hear the spirit in his leading? Did the spirit speak audibly to them? Maybe, but we're not really told that, so I'm not so sure. Or, and if he didn't speak audibly, how did they know in their spirit, like it was the Holy Spirit leading them to take Barnabas and Saul and send them off? By the way, to be sent, uh, that's in our mission statement too, isn't it? We, like Barnabas and Saul, are sent. God's ascending God to love people and invite them to follow Jesus with us. But Barnabas and Saul are sent, but how, how did, clearly they knew, and we're gonna see clearly it was the Spirit, but how did they know? Do you ever wonder that for yourself? Like, how do you know the Spirit's leading you in a certain way? And how can you know? I mean, I, how can you know it's the Holy Spirit leading you? You know, of, of all the things that people pray for on a consistent basis, probably one of the most common for Christians is for the Holy Spirit's guidance, for God's help. Lord, give me guidance here. Like, show me what to do here. Uh, help me know what to say there. Just looking for guidance, right? Because we know God is able and we trust that, that he cares and that he will guide us in that way. We need him to show us the way forward, but... For a lot of us, um, 
confidence that God's leading us can sometimes seem, seem to be pretty elusive, to be really sure that he's doing it. So how can we know? How do you, how do you recognize the Holy Spirit leading? Well, when I look at the Bible, uh, part of my mind when I think of God leading or the Holy Spirit leading, I, I, I go back to the Old Testament and I think of examples like uh, the Israelites in the wilderness. Do you remember how they were led by God? How God led them? Uh, here, I, I have it pulled up here, Exodus 13. The Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way. And by night, a pillar of fire to give them light that they might travel by day and by night. How many of you, you're like, man, I wish God would do that for me. Like just, uh, just put a big pillar of cloud in front of me and show me that's the person I gotta go talk to. Or a fire and I know that's the direction I'm supposed to go. Like he would just make it super, super clear. I know I wish that were the case, but I've never had that happen, have you? Maybe you have, I haven't. If you have, uh, man, I'm excited for you. But oftentimes, you know, you, you sense the spirit leading and you might even feel strong conviction he's leading, but at times, you can still kind of have this gnawing sense in the back of your mind, I hope I'm right on this <laughs> as I go forward in terms of the spirit leading. Uh, sometimes it might seem like the Old Testament saints had maybe more direct direction from God on what to do. I mean, think about Joshua when he actually leads God's people into the promised land. They go across the Jordan River and God tells them, uh, when you see the Ark of the Covenant, when you, when you see the Ark, like, well, here, being carried by the Levitical priest, when you see that happening, then you shall set your foot out and go. Then you know it's time to move. You're like, God, I just wish you'd do that. Just like, like send me an email, send me a text, something. Like when this happens, I go do this. Wouldn't that be awesome? How do you know? And there's others in the Old Testament too, like Gideon. God, God spoke to Gideon and he heard it. And then Gideon lays out a fleece just to confirm it. And God confirms it again a couple times. Or how about Samuel? As a little boy, he hears God calling his voice and he thinks it's Eli and God speaks to him audibly. Wouldn't that be awesome? How do you know God's leading? Well, um, by the way, the worst thing would be to, to, to assume God is leading, but never sense his leading. The good news is Jesus sent us a helper. He sent us the Holy Spirit. As he says in John 14, six, I will ask the Father and he'll give you another helper as he's leaving to be with you forever. He's talking of the Holy Spirit. So how do I know the Holy Spirit's speaking to me? How do I know the Holy Spirit's leading like he was clearly leading in this early church? Well, uh, the number one way the Spirit leads is right here, through his word. It's the number one way, the primary way the Holy Spirit leads. Do you know why? Well, because the Holy Spirit wrote the Bible. Peter tells us that the authors of scripture were born along by the Spirit as they wrote. So the Holy Spirit has spoken to us. You're like, yeah, but I wanna hear him audibly. Well, then read your Bible out loud. <laughs> right? Like, for real. He wrote this. The number one way you're gonna sense the Spirit's leading is to study his word, because he wrote the word. And, and it's still the primary way that he speaks. And by the way, the Holy Spirit then will never lead you 
to do something that's contrary to what his word has already revealed, to what he's already said. So if you've got a big decision coming up, you know, and should I go this way? Should I go that way? Should I make this decision? Should I take that job? Well, if, if the principles uh, of God's word contrast with that opportunity or that option, then that's a pretty obvious one. Okay, I'm not gonna do that because the Holy Spirit wouldn't lead me to do that because that's against what he's already said. Do you see? So he's never gonna contradict what he's already said because God's not a liar. He's not like us. You ever told a lie? You're all lying because nobody's got their hands up. <laughs> that just confirmed it for me. Yeah, we all have, but, but God never lies. So the Holy Spirit is not going to do something or say something contrary to you, to what his word said. And you might sense, well, yeah, but I, listen, it might be a spirit leading you, but if it's contrary to his word, it's not the Holy Spirit. It's not the Holy Spirit. He won't contradict what he's already said. Uh, the Holy Spirit isn't limited in how he leads us. He could still speak audibly. He could still lead you by a pillar of fire this week, who knows? But I know that he would lead you through his word. I know that he would and that he does. Here's what he said. Your word is a lamp to my feet. It's a light to my path. It shows me where to go. So when you have those decisions, study God's word. What do, what do the principles of God's word say? If you're not like, I don't know where to start, shoot me an email, let's talk, I'll help you. So with Pastor Dave, we'd love to. And to help you under, understand what God's word says. But if you wanna hear from the spirit, hear from his word. Well, um, another way then to, to hear from the spirit often is through worship, fasting, and praying. And by the way, both of these, worship and being in the word and then worship, fasting, and praying, we see that take place in our passage in Acts 13 today. You know, it's often that uh, God will speak to us or impress something on our hearts while we're seeking and speaking to him. Uh, in fact, look back at the text with me, chapter 13, verse two. What were they doing? They were worshiping the Lord and fasting. And then the Holy Spirit said to them, here's what I want you to do, send off Barnabas and Saul. But look at the bookends. They were worshiping the Lord and fasting, and then after fasting and praying, they laid hands and sent him out. In the midst of those things, God spoke to them. Well, to worship God is just to ascribe worth to him. So that could be through reading his word, that could be through singing, like we've done already this morning. So many ways to worship. Worship the Lord with gladness. He's great and greatly to be praised, we sang this morning. And then another way is through fasting. Have you ever fasted before? Like not for surgery, but like for God's direction? It's really the same, same thing. You just, the idea is you're denying something physically to enhance your awareness of God spiritually. So I don't eat maybe from sundown until supper the next day. And then every time when I'm hungry and I would be preparing food, well, that's a reminder to me, okay, I can spend this time to focus on the Lord and talk to him. Or when I sense that churning in my stomach and I'm getting hangry, 
I can know, you know what? I, more than food, I need, I need the Lord. And I can turn to him in prayer. And it, it denies something physical to enhance something spiritual. And so that might be fasting from food. Some people do it weekly. Some people do it occasionally. It might be fasting from so many other things. Maybe Netflix. Maybe Facebook and Instagram. Maybe just your phone in general. And then every time you feel that, you're looking, oh, I don't have my phone. I have it turned off. It's in the drawer. That's a reminder. I'm denying myself physically to seek God spiritually and to grow in that way in my relationship with him. Do you see? And as you seek the Lord, that's what all of these are. Worshiping is seeking him. Fasting is seeking him. Praying is seeking him and just talking to God. That's prayer. God told the prophet Jeremiah, when you, when you seek me with your whole heart, you will find me. These are ways of seeking the Lord. And often when we seek him, that's when the Holy Spirit speaks to us. And there's that nudge in your conscience, in your gut, and you're like, yeah, I gotta do that. I gotta talk to that person. I gotta go. That's the decision. And one last thing I'll throw in. It's not on your handout, but maybe you jot down this. The fruit of the Spirit would be another way to, to know the Spirit's leading. Because the Holy Spirit wrote the word and when you trust Jesus, the Holy Spirit dwells in you and he begins to produce fruit and to change you. And so if you're like, oh, I, I think that's the Spirit leading. Well, one way to discern that to a degree is to say, okay, well, am I growing in some of the fruit? Is he at work in my life? Am I growing in love? Am I growing in joy? Am I growing in patience and kindness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control? Well, then I'm in his word, I'm, I'm worshiping, I'm fasting, I'm praying, I'm, I'm seeking him is maybe a better way to summarize all of that. And I see his fruit in my life, I'm growing. And when I feel that impression, I, I can pray about it, talk to him, and I can have confidence then that, yeah, we're supposed to send Barnabas and Saul off with the gospel. <laughs> it wasn't the pizza last night, that's the spirit working in my, that's the check. You see? So my prayer for you, my hope for you, is you'd be sensitive, and for myself, sensitive to the Spirit's guidance. Because he does guide. Jesus sent him as a helper for us. Well, uh, notice what the Holy Spirit does then. He ends up sending out. It doesn't say the church sent out Barnabas and Saul. It says they affirmed the Spirit's direction and that, well, just look, the Spirit sends them out to boldly share Jesus. And he sends, before we look at it, he sends you and I in the same way, right? Our mission statement, we are, help me out, sent. We're sent to love people, to love them, and then invite them to follow Jesus with us. And that's exactly what we're gonna see Barnabas and Saul doing here. But, but notice, it's, it's God who sends. He's ascending God, the Holy Spirit sends. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia. I'm gonna show you where that is here in a moment so you can get your bearings. And from there, they sailed on to Cyprus, which is an island. And when they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. See, they were sent by the Holy Spirit. And what did they start doing? 
They start loving people. They start uh, proclaiming the word of God, inviting people to follow Jesus. And they had John to assist them. John Mark, he came with them to Antioch. Now he's on the boat with them to Cyprus. This young guy's fired up in this moment. But here's what we're going to see right away next time we gather is that uh, in verse 13, John started strong, Mark started strong, but by the time he got through this journey across the island of Cyprus, he's like, this is not what I thought it was. And he takes off. It says he deserted them and headed back to Jerusalem. Now by God's grace, he works in Mark's life and rescues him, but there was a cost there that he wasn't quite prepared for. But I just draw that to your attention now just to keep that in mind when we get to it. Well, when they had gone through the whole island as far as Paphos, they came upon a certain magician, a Jewish false prophet, a false teacher named Bar-Jesus, which means son of Jesus or uh, son of Joshua. That would have been his father's name. Um, By the way, notice what kind of prophet is he? False. So is, is he being led by the Holy Spirit? No, because he's teaching things that are contrary to God's word. Let me show you just some of the geography so you get your bearings. If you're like me, you're kind of visual, this might be a help. So we started off the end of chapter 12, they were in, in Jerusalem, and then they headed north, Barnabas, Saul, and Mark to Antioch. And when they get to Antioch, they're there, and that's where we picked it up in verse one, and they were worshiping and and. Uh, we saw the, the leaders of the church there and they, did, they sensed the Holy Spirit telling them to send off Barnabas and Saul. So Barnabas and Saul take off and they take off first uh, down to the port city of Seleucia where they hop on a ship and they sail to the island of Cyprus. And when they get to Cyprus, they uh, uh, come into a port called Salamis and we read starting there, uh, they began preaching the gospel, teaching in synagogues and telling people about Jesus, sharing God's story. And they worked their way all the way across the island to Paphos. Uh, Paphos was the the Roman uh, provincial capital of this area. And that's where they headed. Uh, Paul often, he goes like to to, uh, influential cities to share the gospel, to plant a church so that it would spread out into the rest of the area. So they went through the island as far as Paphos. They came upon this false teacher, this false prophet named Bar-Jesus. And uh, look at the next verse. Uh, he was with the proconsul. So the ruler of that area, Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence, Luke tells us. And, and look, he is actually smart because what he does is he summons Barnabas and Saul seeking to hear the word of God. He had heard a lot from Bar-Jesus now he wants to hear, he's, he's been hearing about Barnabas and Saul. He wants to hear about, what are, what are they preaching? What are they teaching? He wanted to hear from God's word. It, it makes me think the Holy Spirit had already been at work in Sergius Paulus's life. And when uh, Paul shows up, he does this here. He does it uh, all throughout the book of Acts. We see it very clearly in Acts chapter 17. Uh, he shares God's story. Remember, he went through the Jewish synagogues they're going through and they were teaching people about Jesus. They were sharing the story. And God's story kind of lines up like this. There's creation where he made everything. And then there's the fall where Adam and Eve sin and everything gets messed up. But then he sends Jesus to rescue us. 
and Jesus is going to restore us. And ultimately, he is restoring us and he's going to restore everything back to God's original intent at creation. I wondered, we, we already established we're sent too, right? Jesus prayed in, in John chapter 17, Father, as you sent me, I'm sending them. You're sent, friend, if you're a follower of Jesus. You've been sent. And like Paul and like Barnabas, one of the things you've been sent by the Holy Spirit to do is to share God's story. I wonder, do you know how to share God's story? Are you able to do that? Let me see if I can uh, help you, just give you a little, little way that might be helpful to think about it. Um, first off, in the beginning, you might share, again, we're gonna start with creation, right? God created Adam and Eve, and I'm just drawing one of them. Don't be jealous, I know that's really fancy. But they're one, they're married, so just one of them, Adam and Eve. And they were together in the garden with God. And life was good. They had perfect friendship, perfect relationship with God in every way. Like we talked about earlier, wouldn't it be great if like you could just audibly hear God's voice? Well, God's original design with Adam and Eve was that they walked with him in the garden and they, they talked with him regularly. And when Jesus restores everything, he's gonna be right there in the center of heaven with us, physically. Won't that be awesome? There'll be no guessing or wondering anymore of God's leading. Well, that's how it was in the garden with Adam and Eve and God. And then God put him there and he said, hey, this is all yours to have and to rule and to reign over and it's all yours to do with whatever you want. Except there's one tree in the middle. I don't want you to eat from that. And so sometimes what happens is we hear that and we think, man, God is really restrictive. Why doesn't he just give them all the trees? But what we fail to recognize is that the garden is not like the garden in your backyard. It's like a garden, like a national park. Think like Yellowstone. And imagine all the trees in Yellowstone, all of it's yours to have and to enjoy and to rule and reign over. God gave him so much freedom. But that one tree, stay away from that one tree. It's not restrictive at all, is it? Well, Adam and Eve uh, do what you and I would do. Eventually, uh, they go to that tree and uh, they eat from it. And what results is everything that was good is gone and a big chasm forms between them and God. And now Adam and Eve and us are here and God is here and there's a huge chasm in the middle. By the way, what I'm showing you now is a way that you could share God's story with someone. You could draw this, couldn't you? Probably better than me. And now there's this huge chasm between them. And if you notice on your handout, there's a handful of Bible verses there from Romans. I'd encourage you to memorize those if you wanna know how to share God's story, be sent by him. The Spirit will help you with that. First, uh, we read Romans 3.23 that uh, no one's perfect, no one's good. Everyone falls, has sinned, and they fall short of God's glory. Think of it like this. If you would imagine this is the Grand Canyon, and you're gonna run and jump across it. You train, 
You're the greatest long jumper in the world. You train forever and the day comes and you take off running and you get right to the edge and you take off. How's that gonna go? You're gonna wily coyote it right down to the bottom, aren't you? And you're gonna fall short. And not just a little bit short, but uh, when, when you take off on that leap, you're gonna fall short and you're gonna fall way short. And the Bible says that all of us have sinned and our sin has separated us from God and we all fall short then of God's glory. No matter how many good things I do, it's never good enough to close that gap. It's just not. It's not me versus everybody else, it's me versus Jesus. And he's perfect. Well, uh, if you were to take that leap into the Grand Canyon, what would happen to you after the cloud of dust? or maybe simultaneously with it, <laughs> you'd die, wouldn't you? You'd surely die. Romans 6.23, 6.23 says, the wages of sin, what you earn for it, the result of it is death. Not just physical death, like jumping into the Grand Canyon, but spiritual death, separation from God. Being spiritually dead. But there's really good news. While the standard's perfection, the good news is that perfect is a gift. It's a gift. Because Romans 5.8 says that while we were still God's enemies, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The whole argument of chapter five in Romans is, part of Paul's argument is he starts saying how, um, you know, it's pretty rare that somebody would die for somebody. And surely, you know, well, maybe somebody would die for somebody if they're a really good person, they might give up their life for them. But nobody's gonna die for a wicked person. Nobody's gonna die for their enemies. But God showed his love for us in this, that while we were still his enemies, Jesus did die for you and me. And so you might think of it uh, very much like this. Well, I have a choice. I can take the leap and jump across the Grand Canyon. Jesus, in dying for me, created a way across. He created a bridge for me. And now uh, my, my choice, the thing that stands in front of me is, will I run and jump and try to make it on my own and take that leap into eternity off the edge of the cliff? Or well, I recognize that Jesus died for me. And so really all I need to do is either I can jump on my own or I can step out on that bridge of faith and put all of my hope, all of my trust, all of who I am on Jesus, recognizing that he's the way back to what I'm longing for, that relationship with God, when things were right in the beginning. You know what my hope is and kind of my prayer for you this week is? Whatever bridge you cross this week or wherever you're on a platform and you're kind of hanging over something, whether you're walking across it or driving across it, my prayer is that the Holy Spirit brings to mind the idea that Jesus is the bridge and you have a choice of either putting your faith in him or jumping across it. You, you could just say that to somebody that you're sharing this with. And then uh, Romans 10.9 says that 
the way you exercise this faith, whoever would uh, confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in their heart, God raised him from the dead, they will be saved. It's a simple act of faith. Could you draw that? I just shared with you God's story that everything was good in the beginning and then there was a fall and we got separated in our sin and then Jesus came to rescue us and we got a choice to accept that rescue or not and that in the end, he's gonna restore everything to where uh, I get to be over here now with God again for eternity. Share God's story. Share God's story. That's what Paul does when he goes on, on each missionary journey is he shares God's story. But then also, I would encourage you, take the opportunity, if you're speaking with somebody, to share your story. You know, uh, you have a story. You do of how you met Jesus. And you could maybe think through this dynamic of a, the pearl. We've talked about this. Maybe if you're newer or you weren't here for some of this, it's been a little over a year now since we've done it. Um, but this is just kind of a, it's both a strategy and a way to think about uh, reaching somebody who's far from God. So the strategy is outlined here with that acronym. We'll talk about that just in a second. But the other thing is that you might think of that person that you love, that you care about, who's far from God, as your pearl. In fact, if you walk out to the, um, the book, bookshelves out there by the cafe, there's a bunch of these little pearls. And some of you still do this. You carry this little fake, it's fake, by the way, they're not real. Um, but it's out there. You can grab it, put it in your pocket, and just uh, every time you reach your hand in your pocket or on your keychain, you just remember to pray for that person who's far from God. And, and they are a pearl. They're, they're so valuable to God. And they're valuable to you because you love them. And then you just, here's how it starts. You pray for them. Just pray. You might, you could do that right now. You pray for that person God has in mind that he's sending you to. I would venture to say that Paul and Barnabas and Mark, while they were on the ship on their way to Cyprus, I guarantee you they were praying for the people they'd come in contact with. And then you could eat with them. Jesus did this all the time. He was called a glutton because he always was eating and drinking with people he loved. <laughs> Spend time with them. Be their friend. Ask questions. Jesus was a master at this. Get to know them. You know, Jesus asked 307 questions in the Gospels, but he only ever directly answered eight. He was the master of asking questions. Ask questions. And by the way, not in a way that they're a project, because they're not. They're a person. Ask because you love them. If you can't do that, then just ignore this whole process. And then when, after you ask some questions, they're gonna start asking you so you can reveal your story. You can share God's story like we just drew. You can share your story of how you met Jesus. And then, you know, they're gonna respond in one of two ways, one of a handful of ways actually, but two primary ones. Either they're gonna either be okay with it or accept it or they're just gonna totally reject that. And in any case, keep loving them tangibly. Well, uh, by the way, if you want some help in sharing your story, there's some resources online, youareloved.church slash pearl. Second greatest story will help you write out your own story. But when, uh, when Paul and Barnabas, when they get there and they start preaching the gospel and sharing Jesus boldly with others, the reaction they get, some is positive, but 
There's one here in particular that's recorded for us where it was not positive and all they could do was trust God's power to work. As the Holy Spirit leads you to boldly share Jesus, you need to know sometimes, many times, you're gonna face opposition. It's gonna be like hitting a brick wall at times. Well, it's not up to you to do the work. Jesus does the work. God does the work. Trust his power to do it. In fact, let's keep reading. We're going to see this happen. Uh, Acts chapter 13, uh, starting there in verse 8. But Elimus the magician, for that's the meaning of his name, he opposed them. This is Bar-Jesus. It's just another version of his name. Uh, He opposed them. He sought to turn the proconsul, Sergius Paulus, away from the faith. You know, when you share God's story, when you share your story, expect that opposition. It just comes with the territory. Not everyone's going to respond positively. They're just not. In fact, some will be hostile. So don't be surprised. Trust God's power to open their eyes. And sometimes they might, uh, like we're going to see here, they might choose to try to pick a fight. Well, you've got to use wisdom in those moments because sometimes you want to engage, trust the Holy Spirit's guidance. And we're going to see that's what Paul does. He engages. Other times it's just, okay, we'll save this for another day. But as you stay close to the Spirit, rely on his guidance, you'll know what to do. Um, Well, let's see what Paul does here. He, He doesn't go looking for a fight, but he doesn't back down from it either. Saul, who is also called Paul, Filled with the Holy Spirit, he looked intently at him. The Spirit was leading him in a big way. And here's what he says, you son of the devil. What was he? Bar-Jesus was son of Jesus? He's like, you're not the son of Jesus, man. You are the son of the devil. Totally opposite. You enemy of all righteousness, full of all deceit and villainy. Will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? Making crooked means it's the exact same word in Greek as turn away. Why do you keep turning away from God? Why do you keep turning others away from God? You're an enemy of everything that's right. You're full of deceit. Quit making crooked his straight paths. And clearly the spirit was leading Paul, because uh, look here in verse 11, what happens, Paul says this, and now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and it's not in a good way. You will be blind and unable to see the sun for a time. Immediately mist and darkness fell upon him, and he went about seeking people to lead him by the hand. Hey, I wonder, does that, does that sound familiar? Paul's the one saying this, right? Do you remember Acts chapter nine? What was Paul doing? He was kind of a son of the devil, wasn't he? He was making crooked God's straight paths. He was trying to turn people away from following Jesus. And what happened on his way to Damascus? Well, Jesus met him. (laughs) And they had his hand on him and it didn't go well. At least not in the moment. Saul was knocked off, his horse knocked to the ground. He, he, he was blinded, he couldn't see. 
And he had to be led by the hand into Damascus, into the city, before he finally turned his life around and gave his life to the Lord. I wonder what ends up happening to Bar-Jesus. I don't really know. But surely this is uh, remembering what had happened to Saul and how God's grace and his hand was upon him. And then check this out, what happens as Saul was, Paul, I should say now, is bold and follows the Lord and follows the Spirit's lead. Then the proconsul believed. Sergius Paulus believed. Notice it doesn't say though, when uh, he saw what occurred, that he was astonished at, at Paul's power or that he was astonished at how uh, quickly it turned bar Jesus. What was he astonished at? He was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. He was, he was astonished at God's word, wasn't he? At the gospel, at the truth. Um, as you go about, as you're sent by the Spirit, as you boldly share Jesus, as you trust God's power, just remember this as you trust his power. Um, no one's ever been argued or shamed into the kingdom. The way people come into the kingdom is God opens their eyes. That's why we're sent to love and invite. Invite them to follow Jesus because then we're trusting God to do his work in their heart and in their life to turn to him. Amen? Hey, uh, with that, I'm gonna pray. Uh, we're gonna sing. We're gonna call it a morning. And uh, let me pray.